Welcome to DJ Grandpa's Crip, the podcast of Kickstarter, the crowdfunding website. Each week I interview real people with honest dreams. Today is Monday, July 15th, 2013. On this day in history, in 1606, the incredibly talented Dutch painter Rembrandt was born. Dude, happy birthday. I'd like to take a moment to personally thank each and every one of you for stopping by, taking a look, and hopefully becoming a part of this Kickstarter project, Between Life and Death. Between Life and Death is essentially a television pilot that blurs the line between the natural and the Morgan. This is Morgan Stribbler. How are you doing? Pretty good. DJ Grandpa here. Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, it's good to meet you, man. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I really enjoy your work. You've got a great podcast. Thanks. We work pretty hard on it. I started following it here recently, and you guys are on it. <laughs> Thanks, man. We do what we can. I was going to ask you. Um, I offered in the Twitter to do a like a mind reading effect on you. Would you be interested in that on the podcast? Sure, it's totally scary, but yeah, you know, I'm game. Before we begin, can you text me your phone number? And I'm going to text you a prediction. I don't want you to read it, though, but I do want you to verify for me that you got it. You need me to text you the number? You, you don't want to take it from your call ID? Yeah, just text it to me on the number that you called, and I'm going to text it to that number that you... Okay. Just the number you text me to. And I'm going to text you the prediction. Don't read it, but just make sure that it comes in and you got it from me. That way that there's no way I can back out of it or it doesn't come in later or anything like that and done deal and sealed. Now, I'm going to tell you or warn you or something like that. I don't know which which phrase is the right one. That um, I haven't prepared for this interview because I figured since you're a mentalist and all that... Yes, it sir. wouldn't do me any good to prepare. <laughs> you know. Well, you know, my Kickstarter project actually hasn't taken off that well. And I, I think it's because a lot of people don't really know what a mentalist is. You and I need to talk about that, man, because I read a little bit like the first uh, time I came across your Twitter invitation, you know, request about coming on the show. And I read it and it said that you had been in like 70 countries and millions of people on TV. 75 countries I've been on TV. Yeah. And I've been on five continents. Well, I'm a psychic entertainer slash mentalist, which basically is someone who uses psychology, hypnosis, suggestion, and misdirection and various principles to read body language and different things to read people's minds. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I can understand that. Okay. Well, let me send you that text you were talking about, and then we can, um, I'm going to hang up, and then I'm going to text you right back. Okay, cool. Sounds great. And I'm going to text you and then call me after you receive the text, but do not read it. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. All right. All right. It's very hard to do this stuff over the phone because, you know, I'm not there actually with you. But I sent you a text message. Right. You haven't read the text message. I'd like to attempt something with you. But first, I need to see how you think. I need to see how you think psychologically. I'm a pretty twisty person, but okay. Yeah, I know. I want you to imagine first, and this is just the preliminary test. I want you to imagine first that I have some magic markers, okay? Okay. Red, yellow, orange, green, pink, purple, and how about blue? 
Okay. And from these markers, you're going to draw a beautiful landscape. For example, you could take the green marker and you could draw a meadow. And you could take the pink marker and draw flowers. And the purple one and draw orchids. But I don't want you to draw that particular landscape because I just said it. But using those magic markers, I want you to draw a scenic landscape. Do you have something in mind? Yeah, but it's going to be weird looking. It's going to be weird looking? Yeah, you don't mind that, do you? Well, no, no. Is it a place you could go? Yeah, it's a place you can go, but I'm not drawing it with, like, regular colors and stuff. Because that'd be too predictable. Well, you were actually thinking of something first that was kind of predictable, weren't you? Like beach, weren't you? Yeah, of course a beach. I love the water. Okay, I thought you were thinking of the beach. That's perfect, because you know what that tells me? That tells me a lot about yourself. And what that does tell me is that tells me a lot about this next experiment. But aren't you supposed to guess the colors I was going to use to draw the beach? No, no, the experiment was just guessing what you were going to draw. Okay, all right, I'll, I'll stop being difficult. You can go on. Now that I know what you're going to draw, it helps me know what you're going to pick for this experiment. For example, in my left hand, I have a pen and a wallet. Okay. In my right hand, I have a coin. I got so many things on my mind, it's hard for me to remember right now. So in the left hand, you have two things, right? A pen and a wallet. Okay, all right, gotcha. In my right hand, I have a coin. Right. I'm going to turn my back to you. My hands are behind my back. I want you to take one item in each hand, and I want you to tell me what you took. Me now? Yeah, tell me what you took. You're supposed to guess. You're the psychic. Well, just tell me what you took. You'll see at the end. All right, I take the pen in the left hand, wallet in the right hand. Okay, now which hand do you want to use? This is very, very important for this experiment. Hmm, I should keep my mind on my money and my money on my mind. That's what Dr. Dre would say, but... But I'm going to pick the pen because I write a lot. Doodle. Okay, well, put it behind your back. This is very critical. Okay, I did that in my mind's eye. All right, so that leaves you with holding the wallet and I'm holding the coin, correct? Correct. Now, I'm going to give you a choice. You can either trade me the wallet for the coin or you can leave it as it is. It's completely your choice. You mean I got to make a choice? Well, it's up to you. You can leave it as it is or you can change it. Oh, that's still a choice, yeah. No, I'd rather leave it as it is. That's a free choice, though, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm free being, you know, USA, all of that stuff, yeah. <laughs> Do you believe in fate or coincidence? Uh, you actually just thought of fate and switched your mind to coincidence, didn't you? I'm going to tell you what I tell my family. I don't believe in coincidences. You believe in fate? No, I don't really believe in that either, but I don't believe in coincidences. Well, then you have to go with one or the other for this particular experiment. All right, well, if I say as a rule I don't believe in coincidences, I understand that they do happen, but I think that it's much fewer and far in between, so I'll have to go with faith then. Okay, so that was a free choice as well. I didn't influence you or anything. So now I'm holding the coin, you're holding the wallet, and the pen is behind your back, correct? Correct. I want you to open up your text message and read it for the first time, out loud to the viewers. I still don't trust you in this whole text message thing, but... All right, let's see. It was sent beforehand, though, correct? Yes, it was sent beforehand. And I have a smartphone, so I'm trying to figure out how to do this. Um, Pulling up the message. All right, from Morgan. Okay, I have the message. You want me to read it? Read it out loud, please. It says, fate has spoken. I will be holding the coin. You will be holding the wallet. The pen will be hidden from view. 
Nah, you got some sort of sci-fi um, presidential powers or something. Why'd you rewrite my text message without me knowing it? You tricked me somehow. <laughs> you shouldn't do that to DJ Grandpa, man. People might not like that, man. That, I don't know if that was cool or not, but I know I shouldn't have had you on the show, man. I was afraid of these freakish powers of yours that were written down. <laughs> but you did it. Somehow, you, you had it exactly. I don't know how you did it, but... I'm glad you liked it. I loved but it. But the show itself has got a very real feel to it. That's nothing compared to the material on the show. I mean, the show is, like, material that's just, like, crazy. Like, I'm telling people their pen codes and stuff like that. You know, people have to kill you for, like, divulging information and stuff like that. You're a threat to national security. <laughs> Well, you, you know, I probably won't make it through the taping, but at least the footage will air. <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. At least, yeah, it'll it'll be for, like, posterity's sake. But you, you probably already know all that, so that's all right. That's okay. Yeah. That was really cool, you know, hocus pocus, whatever you did there. I can see why you've been in so many countries, like, in front of millions of people. And, you know, I, I can see why you're the great Morgan Stripler, man. Okay, I know I was too tough on you, but but there was no malice involved, so. No, no, you didn't like break my finger or nothing. Right. <laughs> I didn't go all mafia style on you and stuff, so it's okay. No, no, you didn't get, you didn't get mafia on me. You just, you know, made me shed a tear. But it's all good. <laughs> I'm glad I met you, man. It's it's so weird though. And thank you for having me on, man. It was great meeting you, dude. You too. You're awesome. Man. You know, all I want to say is welcome back to the show. Alex Schwartzman. When he was here last, we had a little bit of a tiff. You know, I can't forget it. Every time I listen to that episode and he says that what he said about Star Trek, my eyebrows go up. But I go, okay, go ahead, keep going. The interesting thing is what? Well, I mean, there's a lot of great other shows. I mean, you know, there's you, you can make a case for Doctor Who. You can make a case for Star Trek. You can, you know, you, know, you can make, certainly make a case for Firefly. Make a case for Star Trek and Firefly? What are you what? trying to hang the jury or something? But, you know, sometimes <laughs> like you have to let go and you have to turn the other cheek. And, you, you know, I like this guy anyway. So, you know, I just want to say welcome back, Alex. I hear you got a new book out, right? Yes, thank you very much. And yeah, that's a beautiful thing about genre is you, you know you you can love it and you can disagree and still respect and like each other very much. What's your book called? The new one on Kickstarter. The current book is Coffee: The Caffeinated Tales of the Fantastic. What we're looking to do is to collect a bunch of short stories that all have a theme of coffee or tea. So, as you know, people who like science fiction generally tend to love several things: cats, bacon. And coffee. And there's been, uh, you know, two and a half dozen cat ontologies. There has been at least one bacon ontology. And nobody has bothered to put together a coffee one. I'm not totally sold on the cats and the, and the bacon and the coffee. I don't see how that relates. I know things are strange in sci-fi. You know, I get that. I get that. But Well, they don't necessarily relate. I'm not suggesting putting them all together. I'm just saying that if you talk to a... Uh, you know, if you hang out at a science fiction convention, or if you just talk to a bunch of sci-fi fans, okay. there's an overwhelming amount of love for those things. Oh, I'm not saying you. you put them all together in some way, although, you know, John Scalzi has been known to pay bacon to his cat. You know, that's made his blog quite popular on the internet. But it's just things that 
you know, the gamers, you know, and the science fiction aficionados and just wacky, fun characters like us tend to enjoy. Well, half the people on the planet probably love cats and everybody loves bacon except for people who don't eat pork. And, you know, right. as far as coffee, I mean, so many working people are coffee addicts. So I can understand that. It's just, um, you know, I'm always contrarian, but you, you didn't just make up this to put another book together or something, right? I'm always looking for projects that can bring something unique, a different perspective, something interesting, something that's not already, you know, been done by 20 other people. I do my research and I look for, you know, I look for, 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 for things like this where, you know, it seems like the kind of idea that, you know, should exist. And yet, nobody's put it together yet. I saw the cover. It's very beautiful, man. It's uh, Emerson Matucci. He's the graphics designer that has also helped us with the cover for Unidentified Pony Objects. Right. He's the one who put that one together, and uh, he did a great job at it. And this is like your third Kickstarter project. That's right. Yeah, so you're building up quite a reputation. You're doing fulfillment on your rewards and, you know, keeping your backers happy so they keep coming back. So, I mean, so that's kind of cool. The first book came out uh, late last year, and uh, we fulfilled, uh, you know, all the rewards. The second book has funded a few months ago, and we're in the process. We fulfilled all the rewards that didn't involve the actual, you know, book since it's being put together. And just tonight, I was putting uh, some of the finishing touches on the master file that has to go over to the book designer next. You know, she's going to create the ARC, the advanced reader copy, and then, right. uh, you know, the authors will get the final opportunity to review their stories and to make sure no changes need to be made to them. And then we're off to the printers. So the second project should be coming out in around September, and we're shooting for coffee to be released in October. Well, I see that you're all over the place in a whole lot of science fiction publications and stuff like that. I want to know, do you believe that the short fiction story or flash fiction, that it's on the rise, that the genre is becoming more popular? Absolutely. And part of the reason is the media in which we read. A lot of the fiction is not is no longer being consumed in physical books. It's online and people are very busy and they have time to read a very short story while, you know, while they're waiting for a bus or they're in line in a coffee shop or, you know, somehow, you know, they have a, a couple of minutes to carve out of their day to enjoy a short story. And flash fiction is a perfect medium for that. You know, so with the proliferation of internet in your pocket, that definitely uh, creates a lag up for the short stories. And I think right. if you look at the history of science fiction over the course of the last several years, we're seeing a lot more flash fiction being published. We're seeing a lot more of it, readers responding to it. Right. There's some magazines and, and uh, websites that are dedicated to it that publish you know, a daily story, like uh, everyday fiction and daily science fiction. And I know that you like to get in. Who are the luminaries that you have right now that are going to be in this coffee anthology? I mean, Well, I can give you a few names because some, you know, there's some contracts that aren't signed yet. Yes, sir. But we have Cat Rambo, who has a wonderful story that originally appeared in the One Fact magazine. Mm -hmm. We have Peter Sersey with a story called The Seven Samovars, which was published last year in Lightspeed. And we have Ken Liu you know, with a story called The Perfect Book, which was also published just last year in Daily Science Fiction. Okay. So those are the three that I'm able to confirm at this point. There are several others that we're talking to. And with anthologies, a lot of it comes down to what stories are going to fit best with each other. So a lot of the time when somebody sends me a story for consideration, I'll sit in it until the very last moment 
and see if it's a good fit, if, it, if it'll mix well with the other stories that I'm accepting into the mix. So a lot of the decisions will be actually made at the end of the reading period, at the end of August. Now, a couple uh, crowdfunding background stories or Kickstarter background stories, boogeyman type of stories. Kickstarters had tremendous growth and they've been in trouble a few times. And I guess, you know, they'll probably get in trouble a couple more times before the year's ended. But anyway, did you consider taking this project to Indiegogo because... Several people have emailed me and said that they've switched from Kickstarter to Indiegogo on their uh, recent projects. I did consider it. In fact, you know, Kickstarter takes several days to approve the project, and the approval came just as the recent scandal you're referring to was unveiling. You know, everything was ready for the campaign, but rather than launching it, I sat on it and I waited for an extra week or so to see how that plays out and to make sure that the resolution that Kickstarter provides is something that sits well enough with me that I can ethically continue to use their services. I love Kickstarter. I think they do a wonderful job. I vastly prefer their interface to that of their competitors. However, I really needed for them to basically come out and apologize for the decision that they made, which they had. And they went ahead and they donated a large chunk of money to charity to kind of make up for some of the damage that they may have potentially done. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's still going to be a few holdouts that will feel that, well, you know, corporations are evil and we're not going to support Kickstarter anymore. They've grown too big and they're no longer like have that indie feel. But for my money, I feel like they've handled it very well. And I think it's important to remember that Corporate decisions are not made in an hour. They responded pretty quickly for a company. They took about, I'd say, less than 48 hours, I think, to issue a statement to take action. And that's pretty reasonable for a large company where, you know, it's not just one person sitting, you know, in their office at their desk, you know, making a snap decision. But, dude, I hope that I have given you a perfect platform to pitch coffee, the decaffeinated, no, not the decaffeinated, the decaffeinated tales of the fantastic. That is yeah. a cool title, actually, once you get past the whole tongue twister part. It's a very good well, title. Well, remember, most people will just have to read it. They won't have to pronounce it. Oh, yeah, that's true. I, I, it's like double jeopardy on me. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Welcome back to the show. We're listening to DJ Grandpa's Crib, the podcast of Kickstarter. You know, everybody loves gadgety gadgets, and so do I. Up next, I have a gentleman named Rafiq. He's from Blue Creation. They have a product called the Jambadoo, and it's a Bluetooth receiver that can connect up to three devices in your home. And they're out of Cambridge, United Kingdom. Rafiq, welcome to the show. Thank you, DJ Grandpa. Now, could you tell me about the Jambadoo? So Jambadoo is a Bluetooth device. And what it does is, let's say you've got a, a speaker dock or you've got a stereo system that doesn't have Bluetooth and you want to play music that's on your phone or your tablet on your stereo. So rather than connect your phone to via wire to your stereo, what you do is you connect Jambadoo to your stereo. And from your phone, you connect to Jambadoo using Bluetooth. And then you can play your music and then walk with your phone all over your living room and play from anywhere you want the music. 
So Jambadu is what people commonly refer to as a Bluetooth audio receiver. Would you be able to have three separate feeds all playing different things on different portals at the same time? What typically happens in the way it works is you'd be playing something on that stereo and then your friend comes in and says, I really like that tune. It looks like this other one I've got on my phone. So what happens when they press play, their music go through and then your music is actually paused, but still leaving the Bluetooth connection on. So you can have some jamming sessions where, you know, you play some tune you've got on your phone and then your friend says, listen, there's this thing on YouTube that's really, really cool. And they don't need to go back to the stereo. They don't need to change wires. They don't need to disconnect. They simply say, listen to that. And they just press. And immediately Jambadu controls the whole Bluetooth connections and plays their music. So you can sit around three people and just share music. And that's the thing that's really cool about Jambadu. I also read that you guys are talking about superior audio quality for audio files. I consider myself an audio file. Don't try and test me, though. But... Uh, <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is that you guys put a lot of research into making it, you know, the high rigorous standards of an audiophile type of person. The background behind this is often we'd go see people and, and tell them about Bluetooth and they'll tell us, well, you know, Bluetooth is not good enough. You know, Wi-Fi is better or other technologies are better. And we knew that Bluetooth had everything it needed to get the, the audio as good as, as anything else. Right. And to get the audio to work really well in these devices, it's a combination of two things. The first thing is what's happening over the air. So obviously the phone transfer the audio file to your device, to Jambadu. Right. And you have to make sure that one, the radio connection is as good as it can be. So you have the best antenna, the best Bluetooth performance over the air. And we designed the module for that and we optimize it for that specific task. And then the second thing we did is once you're transferring audio over the air, you can compress the audio in different ways because it obviously has to be compressed to go over the air. I figured. And in that case, what we do is we do two things. We use high superior codecs like APTX. It's a compression algorithm. Right. And we use the best possible matching sampling frequency over the air, the highest one we can, depending on, on how good the radio quality is, to make the audio as good as it gets in these circumstances. Okay, now let's get down to Kickstarter business. I wanted to ask you, in a geeky, techy, you know, all things technology, video games, all of that, Bluetooth, wireless, specially made community like Kickstarter, how has your experience been? We launched it. It was very exciting the first day. We got a lot of backers. <laughs> and then it all went flat, you know, like in the last two days. So everybody's kind of panicking, just saying, oh, what's happening, you know? And, and we're like, we don't want to force anybody to buy it or anything. It has to be successful on its own. People have to be happy to buy it. Yes. Uh, it's just that, you know, this interview, and, and we hope that by explaining what it is, gets people more excited about it. No, I watched your video, man. You have a very good personality that comes over over the video. You were a great spokesperson on the video. All right. Cheers, thanks. Yes, it was like the message was concise, was clean, your video was bright, so it kind of screamed, you know. You just had a very good style about yourself in the video, and your company made it feel like it was, wasn't such a big company, that it was a small company, kind of like an emerging growth company or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I really liked the video a great deal, and that's why I reached out to you, beside it being a gadgety gadget, you know, which I always like, so that, that's cool. Well, thank you. Is there anything that I haven't given you a chance to say that you would like to say? 
One thing maybe I forgot to say also when we were talking about the audio quality was that Jambadu has basically digital output. So people who have like really high-end stereos and, and have really good systems usually like the digital input. So we, we've added this. Yeah. And the other thing is, yeah, one thing that a lot of people start asking us on Kickstarter is saying, well, when you've got three guys connecting, they might got fight over the music. How do you control, you know? The thing is, we make it simple so people press play and it works with anybody, with any, you know, YouTube player. Right. But for people who want to control a bit more, we're, we're coming up with, with an application that will allow it to do that. But that will come later, after the Kickstarter campaign and after the prototypes are out. Now, whenever you add the word audio file to a product, to me, that means the price must go up or the price is pretty expensive. So how much is this going to cost me? Okay, yeah, if you buy it on Kickstarter, the price of it is £59. Okay. When it's going out to production, it's going to be a bit higher. It really depends on, on, on how we discuss with distributors and all of that because there's a margin they have to take. Rafiq, thanks for coming on the show. If there's anyone who's interested in high audio quality, three devices from one Bluetooth, Jambadoo, on Kickstarter, J-A-M-B-A-D-O-O. Or if you can't find it there, somehow you get lost on Kickstarter, don't worry. Go to djgrandpa.com and we'll always provide links. Rafiq, thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing a very nice gadgety gadget. Thank you, DJ Grandpa. Thank you. Let's all jamba do. Thank you. Let's all do. Hey, that's the slogan. I'm liking that. <laughs> Mental Mono's debut album is ready for release. With the compliments of nuclear physics has been created within the strict boundaries of the Meta Mono Manifesto. The music. Alright everybody, I'm back. No, I can't say I'm back. I, can't, I said that all last show. But anyway, you know, what would DJ... I say that too, but I really like saying that phrase. What would DJ Grandpa's crib be without a musical guest? You know, a musical guest of the week, a killer band. What would we, what would we do? I'd have to shut down, close up, move shop, something like that. But I have such a band today, meaning great, Metamono. Yeah, Metamono. Yeah, I like that name. But anyway, they have an album that they're putting together on Kickstarter called With the Compliments of Physics. And today, we have Jono, Paul, and Mark. They represent the band. Welcome to the show, guys. Metamono are happy to be in your company, DJ Grandpa. Wow, that's so nice, man. You guys are like the nicest guys in the world, man, and I just met you. Could you tell me what is your music? What style? What what does it represent? This is Paul. Hello. We are an electronic music band. It's an analog synthesizer, electronic music, nothing else, no singers, no violin players. No computers. No computers involved at all. Hmm. I had the whole Thomas Dolby blinding me with science thing all wrong, and you're saying no computers know nothing but you oh, had it's all your science but, but it's, it's analog science rather than digital science okay well why have you taken the throwback move of analog instead of digital hi dj grandpa this is jono from metamono here yes. and um we don't see it as taking a step backwards we see it as taking a step forwards because everyone is spending all their life staring at their little computers and even using their computers for being creative and the problem is, is computers aren't very good for that. So we're making instruments that we can be creative with. And that's why our music sounds the way it does. 
and we have very limited resources but we are much more creative because we aren't just staring at the computer all day wow so you think it's a plus well okay okay here's my soapbox here's my soapbox there were all these people i know 20 years ago or so they all laughed at me because i had all analog stuff I didn't have any digital, so, you know, gradually over the last 20, 30 years, I get all digital and, and analog mixture, but now everybody's going back to analog. I'm lost here. What's the next step? I mean, in 10 years, are you guys going to migrate to digital? This is how I see it. Computers are very good at some things, and the analog yeah. world is very good at some things. You have to identify what they're good at, and computers are very good at sharing information, sharing data, and they're very good at processing large amounts of data. They're not very good for being creative with. Now, all the analog gear is fantastic for being creative with, but you use the computer to share it with everyone and get it around the world and get your message around the world. So you use computers for what they're good at and you use the analog stuff for what it's good at. It's like, it's great to go to the cinema, but you may have found out about that wonderful analog 1940s film that you're gonna see at the cinema via Twitter. Twitter does a great job, cinema does a great job. And you guys are all in agreement on this. He's not just twisting your arms or something. You guys owe him money, so you gotta do what he said. <laughs> Get off! <laughs> Tell me what your new album's about. Hi, Mark here. The new album is a double album um, with four distinct sides, each having a different theme. We find that we're able to work in different musical genres because of the way we put music together. So sometimes that can be kind of pastoral, ambient sort of music. Sometimes it can be really proper dance music. So we aim to let this album show the whole repertoire of what we're capable of, really. And you guys believe you're capable of a lot. I mean, that's the bottom line, right? We've been around the block, DJ Grandpa, you know? We might have been there right at the very beginning when you were just DJ Pa, you know what I mean? We have a manifesto you can see on our website, www.metamono.co.uk. You can see that our manifesto, we have a very strict control over what we can and can't do. What that means is we have to rely on our imagination, not on what the machines do for us. Right. That way we're able to produce lots of unique music, but within a very limited sound world. I love anybody with a manifesto, but a lot of times they turn out to be crazy people. <laughs> I don't know, man. Metamano, I still say that's a way cool name, and you guys nailed it in the video, man. I mean, it, it was massive. I had my eight-year-old with me, and mm -hmm. she was just basically, wow, that's totally cool. You gonna back that? Wow, oh my God. She didn't understand it, because she was like, I don't know what they doing, but she just <laughs> kept saying wow throughout the whole video, so I figured that was a plus. What is your eight-year-old's name? Her name is Grace. Well, Grace, this is for you, and I hope you enjoy it. Does it mean anything? Like a name like that has to have a meaning. It's made up from two halves, really. Mono, meaning mono as in not stereo. And one of the really interesting things about all our releases, we've released two vinyl EPs, one vinyl seven inch and four cassettes, and they've all been in mono and no one's really noticed. Mono sounds fantastic. Our whole album is gonna be in mono. 
And uh, mono is is a, a really exciting way to hear your music. You'd be surprised. And uh, meta just means changed or change. And uh, to go to mono is a change. And we're looking for change. We're looking to move things forward by making things more difficult for ourselves. Hmm. You are making things more difficult, man. I'm seeing that. You guys like it the hard way. Okay. Yeah, it brings uh, results. If you make it too easy, you just end up doing the same conventions as everyone else. That's what I find. Mark here, the thing about mono, it is simpler in a live situation because you have a power feed in and a line out and that's it. Which means we can play in any kind of space that's not really a musical venue. It can be anywhere that has a power supply and we have a PA. But it turns into stereo once it hits the walls and all that, and the sounds refracting and stuff and changing. Absolutely. Well, you can't do much about people's ears, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Unless we get involved in mono surgery. <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that, yeah, okay, all right. I'll stop while I'm ahead then. <laughs> I just want to thank you guys for coming on the show, man. John and Paul Mark of Metamono with the compliments of nuclear physics on Kickstarter. Go to kickstarter.com, type it in, check it out. If you can't find it there, if you get lost, if you can't read the small print for any reason, always go to djgrandpa.com and we will graciously provide links. Dude, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you very much. Thank Zai, how are you, Josh? Could you describe for me in your own words, what is Last Dream? What is the game? What it is, is an RPG, a role-playing game in the style of Final Fantasy and Chrono Trigger. Games like that, where you're presented with this unfamiliar world, and you have to navigate yourself through it, where there's not a linear path from beginning to end. Right. So, in our game we blew that up even more. You're thrown into this world, and not only is there not really a central way of doing things, but we have many, many paths that you can go in the game. There's many options where you kind of burn a bridge by going one direction and you can't go back to the other. And so the idea was that you could play this game over and over and over again, because we think there's something around 500 paths, depending on how you count it. And you start with eight different characters, of which you must choose four. So you can choose any four, right. and each time, you know, because of the different characters, it makes the game different. And you can also choose what level of difficulty you play and a few other options. And so we hope more than anything that Last Dream is a game that people can return to over and over again, just like we have, and can enjoy over time and discover something new. And ultimately, on our website, we've created leaderboards where we hope people will compete with us, the creators, on... Who can beat the game the absolute fastest under certain conditions? Who can garner all the achievements? Who can beat the game in the fewest number of steps? Already we're trying to figure out where the kind of maximum is. And I'm sure 
other people out there are going to be better than us, but we would like to compete with them. Well, it sounds as though you guys have taken the time to build an entire community. So that's an aspect that I believe is pretty cool about this game from, you know, just hearing it and watching the trailer and all of that stuff. So, you know, kudos to your whole four-person development team. You know, we've had two years to work on this game, and we had many years before that to develop all the ideas and the concepts we wanted to put into the game. So we've done an immense amount of work up to this point, and our strategy guide is really the full game, but down on paper. It's 701 pages of charts and diagrams, and we had a mathematician help develop our algorithms for us. So that's our entire game completely laid out. And what we're doing now is implementing pretty much the final touches of that. We've got a game testing network that is seems like 24-7 testing these game elements for us. We've got YouTubers who are very generously playing through our game. More people now than ever are, are testing it. And everything is coming together that we wanted. So now we have just kind of the pleasure of doing tweaks you know, just doing on those final touches, we're getting input from players and making little advancements, and we're having fun talking with some of our backers. But we've had the game done in our minds for a long time, and we've had most of it, the infrastructure, done for a number of months. So now it's just a final implementation. You know, people may not realize that it's easy to come up with ideas, of course, and it's easy even to draw maps in the game engine, but what is hard is making sure everything is seamlessly working together, that everything makes sense, that things are balanced, and that you've game tested it not only 10 times yourself, but you've had 10 other people do it 10 times as well. Man, you guys are all planned, all wrapped up, all, you know, all of that. Okay, well, here's the last question. Has it been harder than you thought it would be on Kickstarter, or did it just kind of work out? Well, I would say it has worked out well. I don't think we expected this much attention. Relatively speaking, we set our goal kind of low. We set our goal to exactly, pretty much to the dollar, just happened to be 1500 what we needed to buy an installer, purchase the rest of the graphic art and compositions that we'd already lined up, and you know, pay for web hosting and such. So we pretty much just asked for the bare minimum to finish it up. So the fact that people have given us more it's just led us to say, okay, well, um, that means that each one of us invests another few hundred hours in adding these enhancements to the game. And beside our time, of course, you know, this extra money, we're just going to go and put it into Last Dream 2 and make that even better. I mean, with more money, we can, we can just get better stuff. And that's fantastic. If people want to help us do that, that's awesome. And then we're just as excited to share the game with them. We knew we were going to make Last Dream 2 for a long time, and we talked about a trilogy. But, you know, if if people are, are interested in them, it gives us the drive to make the series about more than just us. We'll strive to make a game that everybody will enjoy and do even more than we would have, even though we were already spending a ridiculous amount of time. This now is becoming a second job. Yeah, you, you guys are kind of overdoing it. I, I got you, though. <laughs> I think we are overdoing it, and it doesn't make any sense from a business perspective. Right. You know, I mean, it's fantastic at these pledges, but all of it pretty much goes into the game. There's no money, you know, per se. So I wouldn't recommend that anybody do this 
if they're trying to make money, you just have to do it because you already want to do it. Now, is it going to take me uh, or is it going to take the community another 15 years before Last Dream 2 or this trilogy starts or something like that? No. We already have Last Dream 2 in development. We have our graphic artist putting out most of the new art. I've already been talking extensively with composers. I've already paid a few of them for some of their works. I have 130 songs lined up, and we're working on 70 more for the game. We've developed a storyline. Now we're just filling in more of the details. So Last Dream 2, we think we can get done within one year. First Last Dream took us two years plus 10 years before that of thinking about it. But now we have a team in place. We have a company. We can deal with you know people legitimately. We can you know we can say to a new composer who may be uncomfortable with giving us non-exclusive licenses that they can check out our website. They can check out what people think about us. They can see some of these interviews, including an interview like yours. It makes just other people feel more comfortable about dealing with us, and it enables us to make a better game. For anyone out there who has a dream, it's pretty cool to see other people accomplish their dreams. And these four gentlemen, they put in a lot of time, almost an entire generation, to bring this game to Kickstarter. So go to kickstarter.com, type in Last Dream. It'll pull up a beautiful, I don't know, it's like a mountainscape or skyscape. It's really nice artwork that you guys bought. And if you can't find it there, go to djgrandpa.com. And we help make people legitimate. You heard it from Josh yourself. (laughs) Thanks for coming on the show, dude. Fantastic. Thank you. Hey, Kickstarter. I'm Scott. I'm here in Seattle, home of great music, roasted coffee, and the Fresh Air Pillow, the world's most washable pillow. DJ Grandpa's crib is about more than just Kickstarter projects. It's about the people behind the projects. And that's why I want to take a moment to congratulate one of this week's guests, Scott Rockler. He and his wonderful bride, Lisa, were married yesterday. Congratulations, Mr. and Mrs. Rockler. Yeah, you can hear me now? I can hear you. I'm outside Starbucks. Quite a video you had there on Kickstarter. Yeah, we hope it, uh, it got the message clear. I think it did. It looked like you guys were having a whole lot of fun getting the message across, though. Because this is a different pillow. As we tout, it's the world's most washable pillow because you can take the core out and wash it uh, completely through and through where other pillows you just can't get to the core. And so we did have a lot of fun because we wanted to show how dirty pillows can get, although I think we went overboard. on. That was a little creepy, I, I must admit. <laughs> Everybody likes it. The people, they, they, they say it was a little creepy, but they got the message. You guys are over halfway funded, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I'm getting married this weekend. We're out here at Pacific Beach, and uh, we're going to get all my relatives and all my friends that are out here to, to buy a pillow. We're going to pitch them hard, so we got to get the thing up to the mark. Right, yeah, congratulations on the pending nuptials and all of that. Thanks, it's Sunday, yeah, so it'll be, uh, and that's I'm just going to watch the, the pillows tick by. <laughs> yeah, this pillow's like a family, um, like a family... It's a legend in this family. Yeah. <laughs> They're all waiting to say, you know, it's it's been going on for years, I have to say. And we've gone through a battery of tests, a battery of prototypes. Uh, it started out as an original uh, concept, an open filtering pillow. And, and it's evolved to a very uh, tightly done, nice product. So how old is this pillow? 
we had a first patent done on open cell foam uh, about six years ago. This actual product, the final versions and the new patent was just written about six months ago on this. The final versions of this product were done in the last year. The concept started over 20 years ago, more than that. I, I don't even want to go back in time to where the concept started. It was something my dad originally created, and I just followed and listened, and him and his brother uh, were enmeshed in the foam industry. His brother, Maury Rockland, had a foam company called Foam Made Industries, and it was that company that my dad learned all about open cell foam and, and the troubles in pillows. And, and he uh, basically just saw that there was a big need. There's uh, over 100 million pillows sold annually in the United States, and they're a Petri dish for, well, you saw it, dust mites. Yeah, I don't want to talk all about that. that. Yeah, I don't stuff, want to talk about VCs that. And, because it can't be cleaned very easily. And that's the difference is what we've done is we've created a, a pillow that you can rip the core right out very easily. We've done tests that show, you know, socks that were had mustard stains that washed really easily in the core of this where they don't in regular pillows. So it does kill the mite as long as you put it in hot water. The biggest thing that is the comfort of this thing, that's probably the biggest area where, you know, people go, well, yeah, but I, I just want a comfortable pillow. That's what we've design. Well, you guys also had another very, I thought, effective pitch marketing angle. You were talking about the whole jobs in America thing, because I know on Kickstarter, a lot of times, project creators, they push the big Chinese button. So you're talking about jobs in America. My dad was a Navy man back in the World War II, and he was just concerned about making this thing over here for a combination of reasons, control of the, the product, and he wanted it built in the USA, and he saw the the job losses that were taking place and we had and you know the economy the way it is today factories have shut down they can't produce products like this as easily anymore and they're just starting to ramp back up and this is completely made in the USA every part of this thing we've researched and made sure that we could make it in the USA now I heard that it's pretty slow during the summers on Kickstarter you know I guess everybody's on vacation or something so how's the pace of your program been coming along we were doing um started off with about four hundred dollars a day and and then it started kind of just just slowing a little bit 70 percent of our backers are directly people that have backed other products on kickstarter so we're into the next pickup we've been talking to the bloggers and the tweeters and we're getting you know the bloggers are out there working with us right now and starting to get the word out one of the first people on kickstarter actually told me to get a hold of you and that's where I learned about you and, and thought it would be a great idea. So they were pretty uh, uh, sharp on all the things that needed to be done. You've given me all the sales stuff, you know, like the whole pitch, and that's cool. And I'm excited about, if you can say that you're excited about a pillow, you know, okay, I'm excited <laughs> about the pillow and stuff like that. What about you that's important? That's like your personality that you want people to know about, you know, like your dream or pursuing your dad's dream or your family's dream. I mean, what makes you special? Yeah, I guess over, 20, over a quarter century, I was introduced to it by my father, and uh, it may have got started sooner had he still been alive. He passed away in 2003, yes, and sir. after he passed away, I kind of dropped it for a little bit and put it aside, and then... I picked it back up and, and it's been going really hard ever since because he was so absolutely uh, so belief that this was a, a powerful product 
It had a major need and it solved a big problem. And it wasn't just the pillow. It was, it was the fact of cleanliness and, uh, you know, what they're doing to hotel rooms nowadays and, and cleaning and the allergies and so forth. But it was, it was his dream to make it happen. And, and I just kind of following that dream because it, it's in me now. I won't let it go. And I have an aunt and uncle coming out to this uh, wedding of mine that this weekend. And, and they were amazed, actually, that I got it started. They said, you're actually launching? <laughs> I mean, they've seen me go through this for years and testing and testing. And, and I'm just proud that we're here. We're here. We've got a great product. And it's an American product. You know, it's part of me. You're like that Nicolas Cage, um, Walt Disney film, where every member of the family had gone after, you know, like the Holy Grail, but he's the one who actually found it. I can't remember what the That's name That's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I can't remember the name. I, I didn't see the movie. I saw the previews. Yeah. What but, was the name of that movie where Nicolas Cage was looking for the Holy Grail? And, um, uh, <laughs> for all that treasure. Yeah. But anyway, Scott Rockland. I really appreciate your enthusiasm and your energy level. I saw it in the video. I heard it in the video. I watched it a couple times. I listened to the Fresh Air Pillow. Like I said, I was totally into the idea of the world's most washable pillow. And if you're on Kickstarter, check it out. The Fresh Air Pillow. If you can't find it there, we'll be stocking Fresh Air Pillows at DJGrandpa.com where you'll always find links to Scott and his Fresh Air Empire. Oh yeah, and another thing, good luck on the wedding to you and your bride. You make sure when she marries into the family, the first thing that she or any bride from now on in the family has to get is a fresh air pillow. I appreciate your help, DJ. You know, God bless everybody. We're on our way. I'd like to thank all our guests this week. I'd also like to thank our listeners. We couldn't do it without you guys. A special thanks goes out to Trevor Williams and to my mentor, The Mumbler, for providing music to DJ Grandpa's trip. Thanks to Theron Kennedy, our director of marketing, and Jeffrey Banks, our assistant editor. Until next week, so say we all. The homepage for DJ Grandpa's crib is djgrandpa.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. DJ Grandpa's Crib, all one word. Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, which helps other people discover the show. And don't forget to leave a comment while you're there. Our producer is Von Rupert. The executive producer of this and all Bedrock Communications podcasts is AF Rupert.